computer. Everyone, welcome to the second episode of the rebranded uh, Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. And if you're confused as to why this is episode number two when there are 150 previous episodes with my friend Dean Guido, well, Dean's going to be busy with other things in life, and that means that I'm taking this over solo. It was a good chance to rebrand it, and so with the early wave of guests, I'm trying to bring back some some really great people we've had on before. We started out week one with Sohi Lee, and now I got Dr. Mike Isertel on. He's been a guest a number of times in the past, and uh, it's always great to have you here. Mike is, I mean, he's a many things to me. He's certainly my one of my chief you know, educational resources throughout my entire career, and, and someone that I've seen as a, a mentor and a major influence for a long time. So it's great to have you back. Thanks for uh, having me, man. I'm surprised and quite honestly disappointed that you would have a guest of my low caliber on for what seems to be a third time. I mean, good God, we're really scraping the barrel here. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure it's actually four. So yeah, I've, I've had worse. I mean, if you want to do this, you know, yeah, you, uh, you know, my, my, Planned guest couldn't make it on short notice to release an episode on time. So I said, you had just messaged me. So I said, hey, Mike, can you come and fill in? Because I really couldn't get anybody else on short notice. And I figured maybe you would be available. Really, I messaged you daily and asked, can I come back on the podcast? You've just been not checking those messages because you know I'm crazy. And then finally, you were like, oh, I need someone to fill in. And you checked mine and you're like, okay, clearly has nothing to do with it. Fine, Mike. Yeah, exactly. You and your 130 thousand uh, followers on uh, Instagram. Oh, those are all bots. You know that. Those are all paid followers. Some of them aren't bots because you got me a whole bunch of new followers by uh, sharing one of my posts. Those are bot followers. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That was kind of cool. <laughs> I looked out of my, my phone and I'm like, where the fuck did all these new followers come from over the course of like a few minutes? And it's like, scroll through and it's like, oh, Mike tagged me in something. And then sure enough. So that's actually cool. I've been working on building a social media following on Instagram because I really didn't bother with it for a very long time. And so... Stuff like that really, really helps, and uh, that way I get in front of more people. So, and you guys recently also um, celebrated 500,000 followers on on RP. So, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of people. That's a lot of people. You know what? Fuck it. I was going to ask about that anyway. So, you know, you've got the 130k yourself, and so, to what degree have you had a social media strategy with approaching this stuff? You know, for brand growth. And to what degree is the following a product of all the accumulated stuff, long form content, media channels that you've had for years anyway? So it's two different questions for answers for RP and for myself. At RP, we have a strategy. I don't really know it because I'm not in charge of the RP Instagram. I don't, I'm not the RP Instagram. People go on there and message and be like, hey, Mike. And I never see that personally because I, I don't even run that page, but um, there's definitely a strategy there. And, and uh, the strategy a lot of times is a combination of posts you want to make and posts that people seem to like. You know, there's that um, kind of Venn diagram thing going on there that um, what you don't want to do is make a whole lot of posts people don't seem to like because that kind of... Um, you can make a few every now and again, but if you make a lot of posts, people don't seem to like a lot. You're just not supplying the demand that's there. You know, it's like making a working a Pepsi and making a new brand of Pepsi that tastes like no one likes it. You like it. You're just like change the factories over. Let's make all this. People are gonna let it die. You know, 
you know, if you want to post for your own edification, just look at pictures on your phone. <laughs> you know, like if you think memes are funny and nobody else does, just have a phone library of memes. And just look at them yourself. So I think a lot of people maybe lose the idea that there's, there's a very, very good idea, very tons and tons of truth to it, that social media shouldn't be a loss of yourself. You should still be yourself. But like what parts of yourself you show to the world are purposeful because it is social media, right? Like, uh, you don't, you know, you don't walk out of your house in the morning with your dick hanging out and you don't post just whatever you want on social media um, because the purpose of social media is to be socialist, to provide something for other people, it, literally by definition, like, there's no other way around it. Like a lot of people are like, well, be on social media, like you just get the real me. And it's like, like, why do I want the real you? Because they literally say you get the real me. Like, I don't, why do I want that? Unfollow, right? I want things from you that I think are appealing. So, and if you like, if, like, if you like you, you be you and post whatever the hell you want, but don't be surprised if people aren't interested in it. So definitely don't post things that are on average just very interesting to people. And then two, don't post things that are not something that is in your purview that you feel comfortable posting about, that you're not willing to defend, that you don't have expertise in. But it's okay to post things you don't have expertise in as long as you're willing to acknowledge the fact that you have limited knowledge of what you're going uh, on about. And especially don't, uh, the real temptation here is very few people get a temptation to just arbitrarily post outside of their expertise. Like today I'll talk about quantum mechanics. Most people don't do that. But they'll talk about things that they think are in that people like column or box that they don't really have much to say about. And they try to do it just to get the likes and it doesn't really work. The best strategy, I think, or the beginning of a good strategy, is I'm by no means an expert on this, is staying within that Bayesian circle thing, the intersection of, you know, that little swivel of um, things that you, you know, can say are an authority on, like a ton of your posts, Andrew, are super great, because it's like you're clearly speaking from a ton of knowledge, tons of experience, and it's always right on the money, and I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. And then also, it's stuff that is like great for other people to see, because they really, really value seeing it. Um, so that intersection is awesome. And the cool thing is, is that like, there's so much that all of us have to give that is both people, there's some people interested in seeing it, and it's something we can speak about, that it's great. And, and, and this actually brings me to another point of how to become you know, more influential is such a stupid term, but you know, like more of a presence on social media and get lots of followers from people like you and whatever, and you make money and help folks is to have value to bring. Like that's number one. Like imagine saying to someone like, I want to be famous for basketball. Be like, can you play basketball? You're like, no, like problem number one is not that you're not famous. If you were some dark horse who nobody knew about that lived in Serbia in a village and was doing 360 dunks, when you were seven foot five, like, don't you worry your little heart out. We just got to put you into the world and you're going to be famous in no time. But if you don't know how to play basketball, I have no idea what you're doing. And a lot of people, they, they have this sort of, like, they want to be in social media and they want to be, like, have value. So they go for the sort of low hanging fruit of like, I'm going to make memes. Yeah, okay. Like, your memes probably aren't funny. But if they are funny, you get a decent following making funny memes. And then people know you as the meme person. So when you try to, like, put in educational stuff or try to recruit coaching clients, people are like, what? This fucking meme account's been hacked. <laughs> and then, you know, you don't get a lot of likes. You know what I mean? Like, people follow the account for why they follow the account. Um, so what I try to do with that one where, you know, Spencer does a lot of really good memes, but what might be lost on someone is Spencer has for years created quality information and the memes are a byproduct of all yes. these what he's built it's not the other yeah. way around no not at all not at all and, and that's why so spencer is already the good basketball player and then he sort of took some camera roll of him dunking that's basically what the memes are right uh and it can it, it can be the other way around but that's not a ton of traction um i will say that i know a few folks that 
came from the meme world and were incredibly popular. And they tried to launch a variety of other business ventures that failed because everyone was like, um, yeah, this isn't a meme. I follow you because of memes. Like when you follow a Spencer, you follow him because there's like nose of shit. And then when you get the memes, you're like, oh, this is great. And when you get the info, you're like, that's why I'm here. But if you're just in it for some, you know, it's like if some painter was a world-class painter and he started putting out like music videos and people would be like, okay. Like if you're good at music videos, they'd be like, oh my God, this guy's, you know, uh, a polymath. He can do everything. This is amazing. But if it's just music videos that are just whatever, people are like, yeah, I follow you for the painting. And it's no offense. I'm just, and they're going to say anything. Some people, incels will say stuff because they don't no filter. But a lot of people won't say anything. They just won't click like. And you'll be like, how come my XYZ content doesn't get any likes? Well, it's because you've either curated the wrong audience or your content's not good enough. It's one combination of the two. And that does not to say that maybe you can switch courses on your platform and ultra content over time. It'll snowball into its own thing, assuming there's quality. So my best advice on social media is put out quality, have value, put out quality stuff. And then whatever kind of quality stuff seems to attract the most followers, put out a little bit more of that and less of the other stuff you also like to put out because, you know, you want to branch into many different locations. You don't want to just be known as the one, the guy that at some point people will try to be like, Oh, Dr. Mike's the volume guy. Then I put out a ton more info on all kinds of stuff. And you're the hypertrophy guy. Then I wrote a bunch of health books. And you're the guy, exercise science guy. Great. And that's good enough for me, you know, um, because it's, it's as wide of a net as I want to cast, but uh, so you should always keep as diverse as you'd like, but make sure you're attuned to like, you know, give the, give the, give the people what they want. You know, uh, I just, some people get caught up in the other direction where they'll make a, a post or two on a certain subject. It'll get like 4,000 likes and they're like this, this is it. And they'll just divert their entire Instagram to shit like that. And then it's a niche thing that might just not transfer well to business and relatability or to future potential growth, so on and so forth. There's a ton of stuff that goes into social media success long before. And I sort of alluded that in my question. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that your social media is a product of, you know, consistently putting out great information, but it's also the fact that for many, many years, you've been just absolutely blasting tons of info, good quality information, and you've grown a very large audience via YouTube through, through RP, through your connections, through Juggernaut, through, you know, your individual brand, through podcast appearances, through speaking. Facebook. And, yeah, Facebook. So it wasn't very hard to assemble a big following through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of people, Jordan Syatt and I have talked a lot about this too. You know, Jordan has a very big social media following and people do have the mistake thinking that, oh, you know, Jordan is well known because he he's really good at infographics when they were popular. Same thing goes for Spencer Nadolsky. No, Jordan's been writing long form content and doing YouTube at a very high level for a very long time. And all that stuff you know, kind of maybe was, he was really well known, but it's sort of behind the scenes. Then he also leveraged that to be able to grow a big social media following. So anyone who thinks, oh, you know, these guys are social media stars and they're products of knowing a few tricks on social media, you got it completely backwards. And now you mentioned, you know, uh, we mentioned you sharing something of mine. This is really important. It's those relationships with people with larger followings. Because I hadn't paid much attention to Instagram following for a while. And I've been putting in some effort into it in the last, say, eight to nine months. And I have a lot of friends and followers who have very large accounts. Your example of that, you just shared something of mine. I gained about 300 followers off of that, of course, over the course of a couple of days. Uh, Jordan Syed, again, he shared something of mine on his story, 400 followers. Um, Alan Aragon has got a big following. He shares my stuff. John Romanello just shared something recently and so on and so forth. And those things didn't happen by accident. That's 
having these people as a guest on my podcast, going to events. I mean, what have I been to? Maybe two or three, I think, of your seminars, you know, travel to go to go that do that stuff. It's been three. You were here once as well. And, you know, sitting down and having, you know, building relationships with these people like yourself and not going at it going, well, hey, what can you do for me? It's actually like, well, what can I possibly do for you? In this specific example, I've tried to bring a lot of people to the events that you come to speak at when you've been here in Alberta. Um, you know, and then when I have a podcast guest, I want this A to be a fun experience, but B, I want to share you guys with everybody who listens. And I'm hoping that most everybody has known who you are for a very long time for the, for that one person who you're new to. Well, I want them to literally go follow your social media and follow what you're up to and go from there. So it's about creating value to the person who follows you and building those relationships. And that's been, you know, years in the making that just doesn't happen. So those relationships and then having those bigger accounts, following your work and like you said, creating good stuff because you're not going, you're not sharing a lot of people's stuff. You're not, right? Especially on your main wall. So yeah, that's not like I'm biased against other people or I want it all to myself. I just don't like, it's fucking pain in the ass for me to share shit. So it means that something has to be really, really good in order for you to do it, right? So, and that takes, you know, a lot of time and effort and putting thought up. So I appreciate, I took it as a very big compliment. It meant a lot to me. So. It is. Well, so I'll tell you this. Um, another thing is, and this is an even bigger compliment, is, is, is a lot of people think that there is this huge luck factor and connections factor with getting to a, a high level in an industry or field. Like, for example, we can take, uh, you know, Harvard students, uh, people that graduate from Harvard have a huge leg up on internships and first job opportunities because of connections, they get through alumni programs. And because when someone sees Harvard University on the resume, that like opens their eyes to something, right? And they'll give you a chance. And people think like so getting into Harvard, that's the thing, right? Or like making connections and, and networking, that's the thing. That's part of the thing, but you have to provide and produce and prove value at some point. And if you don't, you just get kicked right out. So it's been shown that as far as success in multiple industries, people from the Ivy League institutions, and there's research to support this, illustrate it rather, uh, people from Ivy League institutions after about 10 years do no better than people with the same high school performance who went to lesser known colleges. Why? Well, at first, first two or three years, they do actually do better. They get better jobs. But then, you know, those people who went to lesser institutions, maybe get jobs at less prestigious firms, for example. But they, they rise to the top of those firms very quickly or start rising up because they're fucking good. And the Harvard people that weren't actually fucking good, they got in on like, you know, the parents went to Harvard and gave Harvard a shitload of money or something like that. They go to, they get their first job for sure at a super elite firm, Goldman Sachs or something. And then Goldman, their boss, is like, hey, Jim's a fine trader and he's not exceptional. And then every now and again, they do a round of hiring and they look at, you know, some guy sends in his portfolio. He's been working for a smaller bank, but he's fucking good. They can bring him for an interview. He's sharp as shit. He went to like Williams College or somewhere. So like, okay, you know, nobody gives a flying. Here's a, here's a real interesting revelation. When people are hiring you to make a profit at their company, they go, fuck, fuck, we went to school. You could have gone to school nowhere. If you could do good work for us, we will fucking hire you. Like we hired a bunch of um, uh, software developers, RP, to create and run our app and they're doing a fun, unbelievable job. So I can't even tell you where these people went to school. I don't give a shit because they produce value, right? There's no, no diploma gives you dick in, in, in that regard. So go ahead. I was going to say like, you know, our friend Carolyn McDonald, who you guys were, you know, great enough to hire on. Like I have no idea where Carolyn is. 
don't. I, I don't either. And Carolyn's a very good friend. And you know, Carolyn, for example, anyone who's looking at the logo now, she's very quick to say she didn't create that logo. She actually, she was going to do the branding stuff for the podcast. She's actually the one, the idea, the name was mine. She loved it. And she sourced this logo and got the rights to it and it worked. But, you know, it was really Carolyn that helped with that. Now, meanwhile, you guys, uh, you know, I, I connected you guys to Carolyn and she loves it there. My God, she's like constantly raving about how wonderful the team is at RP and how great you guys are. And, you know, <laughs> Carolyn. She doesn't work with me hardly at all, which is why she's saying such nice things. Uh, she works with the better people at RP. <laughs> Well, you know, she, she appreciates what you guys have all done for her. And, you know, Carolyn's as neurotic as people get. And, you know, that's just, she knows that. I would laugh when I say that. But she, she cares about doing a really great job and, and wanting to make that's sure it. people are very happy with her. That's it. And she's, she's just going to go above yeah. and beyond. So, and she's loving it. She's, she's she just, happy. well, so, uh, you know, here's the thing. Like, uh, I would phrase it a little bit differently. I don't think we did anything for her. Uh, we, she's done stuff for us and we pay her money because of it. Like, so she, you know, we're not, she's not a charity case. She's just a super producer and she does unbelievable work. So we're lucky to have her. Right. And, and we pay her appropriately. So the thing is like, we don't care where she went to school or whatever. She's just fucking good. So what ends up happening is the people that are really good, that didn't go to fancy schools, they end up getting hired into Goldman Sachs in year two or three. They knock everything out of the park and the people that went to Harvard, but should have never really been in that crowd they get fired or let go. Like if they just get some other kind of job or switch, you know, switch careers or end up using their family money to start like a, a ayahuasca retreat company that goes to Ecuador or some shit, you know, like rich people shit. Right. And um, like the corporate world was so soulless, man. I'm just trying to find my inner way, bro. Like shut up. But, but in any case, <laughs> um, the, the case in point is people think, that when a big Instagram page or something shares their shit, like that's it, that's how you get ahead. Well, hold on a second. Are you comfortable in the idea that you're producing lots of value if you're in your page? Is your page a hidden gem that no one's seen before? And if it is, you're, as soon as you get shared, people are going, oh my God, this is amazing. But if you just care about being shared and you don't uh, really produce a ton of value or anything novel, uh, then you're going to get shared totally. You're going to get your little bump of followers and then most of them are going to, eh, they're going to hang around, not buy any products or, or they're not even going to hang around. They're going to see like three or four. Cause you know, as soon as you follow someone new, you know how the algorithm works. It like bumps the fuck out of their posts for you. Like it's like all you see for three days and they're going to like, get annoyed that your shit sucks and unfollow you. Um, so it's going to go nowhere. So focus on numbers. It's, it's it, the social media game is 80 or 70% producing amazing value. And then 20 or 30% of making sure that, you know, you're sharing things and talking to people and all this stuff. And then the rest takes care of itself. That's it. You know, mentioned, uh, RP and your guys' organizations. So, you know, you and Nick, I, I guess they're primary founders and you've got a team of your friends around. It, it, you guys are widely well-respected. It feels less like a top-down organization, more like a team of friends who produce obscene amounts of training, nutrition, recovery information, all this good stuff. Nobody's friends at RP. What's that? Nobody's, we're not friends. It's a facade. Uh, 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 I mean, aside from all the Dragon Ball Z bullshit you guys get on with, any critical philosophies, you know, foundational both to RP's success and you know, the success of each team member's individual brands? Because you have done a really great job of fostering the individual's as well as the, t uh, the team name? Yeah, great question. Great question. Um, also off air later, um, I gotta give you some more details about networking stuff that I can't talk about on air, but just for your own personal stuff. Um, remind me.
So, <laughs> writes it down. Reminder. So, <laughs> reminder, Mike's BS. Um, there is so much to say about that. I'm going to start with a caveat. I'm just going to talk about my experiences and beliefs. And I'm not really sure if this is uh, scientific, uh, scientifically sound advice for how to run a business really well. So I can tell you what we do at RP and what I think is a good idea, but please don't take this too far to the bank. Uh, it might just be worthless, but uh, for what it's worth. Um, number one is we try to hire talented people and not just talented people, but people that have this um, really particular quality of wanting to create things and do things. Uh, I'll take uh, Caroline for an example. Hopefully she doesn't get offended that I'm using her as an example on pu public media about uh, how her work uh, is. I don't think, Car if you put Caroline into a room and give her nothing to do, she will go insane in roughly five minutes. She has to produce things. Like I'm pretty sure if you just leave her in a living room that has like pillows out of order, she, after like 30 seconds, she's gonna be like, we'll just start putting them in order. Like that she is an anti-entropy device. Uh, and that is like, like unbelievable. It's unbelievable to watch. And pretty much everyone at RP is, is, has a big thing going like that, where if they see things out of place, if they see processes that can be improved, um, if it just it bothers them and they just fix things. Um, uh, another uh, uh, guy that works for us, Charlie, he's our athlete manager. Uh, Charlie's a workaholic to the point where like, if he doesn't do a certain amount of work every day, he's not right in the head. That goes for him, that goes for Carolyn, it goes for a ton of us, it goes for me for sure. And he just like, like if you give him his phone and you're like, don't work, he's like, okay, we'll just start working. Uh, and it's not like an unhealthy compulsion because there's always work to be done. It would be very unhealthy if you ran out of work. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where if you hire people that want to produce, then you don't have to worry about a thing. You just have to give them a general direction. They're like a cannon. All you got to do is point the cannon and they just shoot, 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 shoot. That's it. Um, so that's number one. And, you know, secondarily is hiring people that are smart. Uh, and it's pretty easy to just from a conversation to figure out how, how smart someone is. And then hiring educated people is very easy because it's literally in the resume. <laughs> okay, so it's the easiest part. But if they're really hardworking and not just hardworking, of like, hey, just do this. And if you don't tell them, they don't do anything. People who are like addicts to work uh, find it themselves and they're not perfectionists, but people who optimizers, right? Um, then if they're optimizers and they're intelligent, they don't even need to be educated, but it's great if they are. And then there's a bunch of other stuff kind of like, you know, a, a lot of these people have like, uh, Charlie's a good idea. Charlie will sit around, and if he sits around long enough, he'll, if he notices enough processes at RP, he'll have ideas he can't help but share about how to improve them or how to do other things that could potentially be good for the company. It's not just a do, do you do this and then we tell you when to think and when to jump and how to do it. He's always thinking about more. Uh, and it's really tough to find people that do that. But when you find them, they're like, they're not even diamonds in the rough. They're just diamonds. And you got to treat them very well. And that includes several things. So treating very well is first of all, you pay him, pay him a lot of money. We pay RP employees lots of money. I'm not shy about saying that. Um, and we always want to pay him more. So as the company grows, we pay everyone more. We get people raises all the time. And it's not just because we have some like 
you know, socially just view of the world to think that people should make lots of money. Of course we have that too. It would be sweet if we were all millionaires and shit, right? But like, um, we want them to be incentivized and we want them to understand at a deep level that their work means something. And when somebody gives you money for something, that's the deepest possible way to thank them because it really puts your money where your mouth is. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're doing a great job, Jim. They're like, oh, great. You pay me like $10 an hour. Like, eh, that's how, that's what I mean when I say great job. You pay someone more, uh, they do better. A lot of the thing is, um, a lot of the pay structure is incentivized based on profits and earnings. So when they do good work, it's directly reflected like next month, next year, all that other stuff. Uh, so that's a big one. Another one is we give uh, tons of people uh, autonomy and room for creativity. And we do almost no top-down uh, architecture at RP as far as the, the company is designed. Like I'm, uh, I'm nobody's boss at RP nobody's boss. I'm not cut out to be a boss. I fucking hate it. I don't like telling people what to do. I like to have awesome people around that have all these great ideas. And I say, this looks good. Let's table this for later. Uh, you're clear to work on this. Let's see what you got in three months. They come back. It's amazing. We, we put it out and it works. Um, and then Nick Shaw, who ostensibly runs the company, uh, it, he hates being a boss. He fucking hates it. Uh, and, and he doesn't have to be a boss hardly at all with RP because all, we have all these people, they're like, uh, like, we're like two big mama papa birds and they're like these squawking chicklets of ideas and work effort. Like, eh, 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 me, me. And we're not like ever like, Hey, you do this. We're like, Oh fuck. Oh, you want to do what? Uh, okay. Uh, great. Do this, do that, do that, do that, do this. And that's it. So it, it, it and, uh, you know, every, like the, the idea at RP is like, if you have an idea, about how to make the company better and make more money, help people more streamline processes. Uh, there is never a shred of like, well, you don't talk to, don't talk to so-and-so cause he's going to shoot it down. Or I should hope there isn't. We have a culture of like, if you have something you think is a good idea, fucking let us know. If you think something we've been doing forever is a bad idea, even if we're emotionally attached to it, cause it's our little prize pony. You let us know immediately. Like, um, Char, uh, Charlie, our customer service uh, guy, Jacob, I could, I, could, I could say a trillion unbelievable things about him. He's a fucking rock star. Same idea of a person. Him, uh, Jacob, Charlie, and Carolyn form this like triple team of like annoying assholes that are like, hey, this sucks that we're doing. Why are we doing it? And Nick and I are like, I don't know. Uh, and they're like, we're going to change it and do it a different way. We're like, okay. And we don't know what's going on because Nick and I, we have our own specialties. And we're just focused on that. So RP is a bunch of little worker bees working on their own projects, coordinating only when needed. We don't do like massive Zoom hangouts with the whole company. Dude, I don't even know. I haven't even met half the people that work for RP in person. A bunch of the people don't even know each other. It doesn't matter because they're all working on their own creative processes that integrate into the company's larger vision, which is really the larger vision to do a good job to make people healthier and fitter and whatever, give the customer what they want. So that, that's how it works. Uh, I just don't know any of that. I don't have it in me psychologically to run a company in any other way. Like if you had me be a drill sergeant type of guy, I quit the next day. I was, I'm sorry. I can't tell people what to do. I'm like a libertarian through and through. Like you can do this or you can not, whatever. You're really close anyway. friends with a lot of them too, obviously, Jane. I wasn't to begin with. A lot of these people ended up being my friends after they, they got to work at RP. Uh, but, and, and some of them were hired as friends. And I'll tell you, it's a really, really important point. We never hired a single fucking person, nor will we ever, who we hired because they're a friend. We just happen to know unbelievably talented people. Like Melissa Davis was like a super longtime friend of mine. I've known her way longer than I've known James. And she was a practicing neuroscientist. Like she's a fucking lab neuroscientist. She was getting grants and doing all this stuff. And at some point she had uh, read a ton of literature on fitness and nutrition. I had coached her uh, for a while. And we were like, hey, Mel, we got a ton of, this is way early in our people, like got a ton of clients. 
can you help? Like, do you want to help like, have a little side job for extra income? And she's like, okay. So we tr- coached her up and then she helped. And then, and then and her abilities just went like that. And then at some point she looked at how much money she was making from RP and looked at how much money she was making from personal coaching or from, from her um, uh, work in neuroscience. And more than that, because neuroscience is very well compensated, she was like, how much do I love what I'm doing? And you know, academia has these gears that are so big and they turn so slow. And she's just like sleeping and waiting for grants to be approved. And at RP, like any idea you have, boom, it's yours, make it now, go. And she ended up tilting away from formal neuroscience altogether into RP. She is an unbelievable coach, but then we had bigger plans for her because she's so talented that she's even better, she's better at this than coaching, but she's more valuable to us as a content and product creator and product manager than she is even as a coach. So now we're sort of pushing out into this like create things with your mind because you're brilliant. And that's, that's really amazing. But like, I didn't, she, she was not hired because she was my friend. She was hired because I knew she was fucking sharp. And, you know, I, I have lots of friends and some of them don't work for RP because they some combination don't want to or just not cut out for the business. That's okay. Like, like if it was a family business, I'd be hiring my fucking dad, who's a math professor, but he doesn't fucking want to coach people in diets. He has nothing to offer, nothing, no interest, right? So it's one of those things where people see like it's our friends. Yeah, just because we happen to be friends with a ton of people who really, really, really are just good fucking people and knew their shit. And, and that's how they get in. And we have a, and, 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 and it's not like a mom and a pop company because we have tons of people like legit, I never met, never met. I've hired a bunch of people off of online interactions. Tiago, uh, who works for RP, he was just like a fucking Facebook guy who criticized my workout stuff. And I had conversations with him and he turned out to be very nuanced and smart. And then he was like, hey, can I intern for you? And I was like, what? Okay. He was my first ever intern. He just did such a good job that I was like, do you want to do more? And he's like, sure. Well, will you pay me? And I'm like, yes. So then he just grew into RP and that's how it happened. Um, fuck, man. There's one guy that works for us uh, on Shuman that, uh, the way we met him, he was just an RP plus subscriber who would ask James and I questions on the weekly webinar. And it quickly became apparent cause he's a, uh, data science major or kind of, uh, some shit like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A data science major, I think, uh, or computer science or some shit from Yale. And it quickly became apparent that it was fucking brilliant because you'd give him explanations and he would integrate all of them immediately and ask like four tangent questions that were also brilliant. We're like, fuck, I'm just the shit. And then at some point, I don't even remember how we were like, Hey, you want to, you want to help us out doing some shit? He's like, okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, he like, you know, fast forward, he works for RP. So really like we, we people, we find people here and there that just have all those qualities I talked about earlier, just fucking good, man. And, and want it. They don't just like say they want it hashtag motivation or anything like that. Um, Gabrielle Fondaro. I found Gabby on Facebook. She was just like debating someone cordially, just like sharp as a fucking tack. And I was like, what the fuck click like PhD in nutrition trains. I was like, eh. and we needed coaches. I was like, eh. and she's like, okay. And that was it. Yeah. And I uh, had her on uh, the podcast, the previous incarnation of the podcast is going to be weird when I say, oh yeah, you know, go check out all these old episodes. What if we this episode? <laughs> Click nothing. <laughs> right. So I didn't abandon that. And yeah, she's wonderful. She, and she creates such good stuff. And she's one of the very few people floating around in our world who, you know, has evidence-based knowledge about, you know, gut microbiome stuff. All these people, like, oh, it's like, it's, it's the only thing, it's the next frontier. And she's like, well, actually, we really don't understand too much about it yet. There's probably some important stuff. And yeah, no, she's great. And anyone who's interested in that, go back and check out that episode for sure. 
no, you, you guys have an awesome team. You know, I've seen Melissa and James present. I've seen you present, I think it's, you know, three times. And I've just binged on your, your YouTube videos and your podcast stuff. Yeah, and, the YouTube, man. That's that's a big, that's that's new for us, right? So you we were saying earlier, I had a YouTube following. I had no YouTube following. I w- I'm not even on YouTube. Like, I'm on YouTube as Mike is telling. I have like four subscribers or something. Because I don't put out any content. But on Renaissance Purization. Juggernaut and through RP. Right. Yes, yes. We have not even through our P. Juggernaut, I've been on their YouTube a bunch and a bunch of like Revive Stronger, Steve Hall's channel, a bunch of different podcasts. So people kind of knew me and they knew me from Facebook. So my Facebook launched my Instagram. Then my Instagram just had a bunch of like, my, I think the thing that draws people on Instagram is the training videos. Like I chronicle most of my training sessions and people just love to see actual real world scientific training. Because a lot of people do demos and a lot of people when they actually train don't do the shit they say they do. We sort of do like myself, Jared, Charlie, we actually train like we say we train. And then people are like, oh, this is fucking sweet. And they ask a bunch of questions and get a bunch of insight. So the Instagram thing is kind of on its own, but we just a couple months ago started producing more stuff on YouTube um, because we were like, yeah, you know, like, why aren't we doing this? We should do it. And we have a, a super talented uh, camera guy and sound guy who does all of our filming. Again, found him the same way, sort of by random chance. And he's just fucking good. Um, and now we're producing a ton of content. We've already recorded a shitload of videos up, up ahead of time. And we were at 45,000 subscribers like three months ago. We just broke 90,000 on YouTube like this past week. So it's going super well, but only because we have things to say. You know, we're not out there doing like like a commentary on what's happening in the world kind of videos. Like if you're good at them, sweet. But I don't have shit to say about what's happening in the world. Nobody wants to hear me talk about that shit. And that's that last point is really good. And this is sort of a little pet peeve of mine. And, and I we tend to find it on Facebook in our industry more than Instagram. But Facebook's toxic. Yeah, it, it really quite is. If you get a, a tier of trainers in our industry who I feel like they're really caught up in, in going on about social and ideological things, certainly politics. And that to me is a bit of a red flag that someone has a bit too much time on their hands. And what I think they fail to understand is people are tuning into your your fitness and nutrition brand and media for fitness and nutrition. And I make a very deliberate point of avoiding any discussion about these sort of things outside of very, very careful and specific uh, points. And I'm going through a book right now. It's got a Brendan Kane. He's really smart about uh, social media stuff. And he talks about how like Nike, you know, that's always been a part of who they are. So they kind of have the 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 background and the right to be able to do things when they talk about uh, you know the campaign with Colin Kaepernick, whereas Gillette they went off and they did this really fucking stupid yeah and people are like what <laughs> no your your whole brand is is primarily like men and shaving and sort of masculine thing and you'll lecture people on you know how shitty men are this whole toxic masculinity thing and you know take that whichever way you want it but like the way that they did it was they lost a lot of fucking money and they pretty much came out and admitted that they fucked up and, and they were going to go back to oh, really? the course. They, they veered so widely off course and I don't think people are tuning in and buying Gillette shit to be lectured on, you know, social stuff. And, and there's probably some very relevant shit embedded within that. And then there's some, you know, social media, you know, stuff that gets way carried away. But I think, I personally think that trainers on their way up who are really trying to build something, I think they should really stay the fuck away from it. Um, there are a very select few people who are successful in our industry who can handle social and political stuff well. I don't think anybody really does politics well, but social stuff, and uh, it can be part of their brand. But almost everybody else who you recognize as being very successful at that you know upper tier of trainers 
they really have never made a point of touching it and they don't specifically touch it on a regular basis. And the people are tuning in because they're getting this, this stuff from all sides and it's exhausting. And they do want at times to tune this stuff out and they want to train, they want to actually like minimize their stress in their lives. And it's, it's not about, you know, not caring about what else is going on in the world. I think most of these people are genuinely good people, but at a certain point, if your favorite trainer is going on about whatever is happening this week in the world socially or politically or, or ripping on politicians or idiots all across the spectrum, right? I mean, when, when has that ever been news? So, you know, if all they're doing is like, you know, complaining about whatever politician has done, whatever fucking stupid thing this week, that gets really old. And I actually unfollow that stuff mercilessly. I try to actually tune out most of this bullshit. You know, the big stuff that's happening in the world, okay, like, you know, fucking bomb went off in Beirut, basically. Like, holy fuck, okay, cool. Like, that stuff's going to penetrate through because you're going to see it. Whereas most of this other stuff that's happening day to day, I don't care about it because it actually doesn't affect my life or the world. But also, like, let's talk about, I think it's spot on, Andrew. Let's talk about the bomb in Beirut. First of all, is it a bomb? I don't know. I thought it was a fireworks factory. Did a drone set it off? I don't know. I saw some weird viral video. You don't know shit. You don't know what the fuck are you saying? Also, real quick, real people died. So have the fucking audacity to shut the fuck up about it. Can you imagine being a person who lost someone in that and scrolling through Facebook, every cocksucker in his friend is like, I think this is what shut your fucking mouth. Have some reverence for the love of God. And I, and I use the term bomb because, not because it actually seemed like it was a real bomb, it, it effectively acted as one. It was a big stockpile of ammonium nitrate that was left over from a Russian ship that was there. And fucking Russians. And it was a, yeah, like, see, <laughs> Mike's Russian for those who are not inundated in, in his background. And, uh, and I guess from what they're saying, it was a welding accident set off a chain reaction that like set off this stockpile, right? It's just a whole bunch of bad circumstance. And, you know, yeah, I see people sharing cons conspiracy theorist stuff. And, you know, more recently you see some of the shit linking it to, well, this did this. So therefore 9-11, I'm like, oh my fucking God, unfold. Yeah. So, um, the politics thing and the posting on social matters thing is interesting because there's always people that are going to say, Hey, stick to your fitness. That's why I follow you. And there's all the people that come to your defense and say, Hey, like, shut up. Like it's just page. You can say whatever you want. Both are correct because you can't say whatever you want, but like, you're not in social media to say whatever you want. You can just look in the mirror and say whatever you want to yourself. Um, you know, you're on social media hypothetically to, try to help people and make money while doing it. And, and, and the politics thing doesn't really help a ton with that. Uh, every time I've made a political statement or post, which has been like an exponential decline over the course of the last six years, as far as on my end, every time I do it, it's, it's toxic and it's terrible and everyone's going to get pissed specifically with me. Like if I was really to make us people every now and again, like, Mike, I love your political views and economic views. You should post more about them. Like that's because you are the same kind of wacko libertarian that I am. And we're in a very small circle of people. If I really told people about my political views, I would alienate almost every conservative and almost every progressive. And then all of a sudden I would have, you know, just be universally pissing people off. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you can, you know, the little caveat there is you can share your political views if you want, but um, is that the best idea for your brand? Because you're fundamentally on there to have a brand. And if you're not on there to have a brand, 
then you, I don't know what the fuck you're doing listening to this podcast anyway, because the whole podcast is about how to fucking make your social media. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, I just want to say what I want to say. Like, yo, fucking slow clap. Great. Say way. But if you're like, man, I can't make any, any money on my personal training business and social media. It's like, well, you haven't really been trying. I'll put it another way too is, I mean, we want to leave the greatest positive impact on the world possible. Look at what you're able to do to enrich a lot of lives through what RP does and all your teachings. I mean, you're making people healthier, stronger, better physical and emotional well-being on the scale that you are. That should be enough. You know, and then let's say someone comes at you and criticizes you for, well, you didn't speak out on this particular issue. Motherfucker, like, you, you guys are doing a lot of good for the world. So, you know, at what point does it stop, right? I think for you're, sure. and you worked hard to build something that reaches a lot of people to make a lot of lives better. And you mentioned right. being well-paid, you've got employees. If those employees turn around and use that money for good social causes, well, that's better than sure. telling on social media about who to vote for. Well, also, like, I sort of, in some way, could be understood to speak for the company when I speak. And then if I'm speaking and supporting various social causes, like, I don't, I don't have the audacity to believe that my employees agree with me. Uh, not on everything, certainly. And they're free to say whatever they want on their social media. Um, but in, in addition to that... You know, when uh, I have a real catalyst to of this whole thing, when people say, I can't believe you're not speaking out on XYZ, what they really are saying is, I want you to have my opinion on this. And I want you to, I want you to act as a megaphone for my opinion. And respectfully to all those people, you and I, you and I may not share the same opinion. And I promise you that I'm coming from a good place for all mankind with a ton of understanding because it's my that's one of my hobbies is to get understanding of the social sciences and a fuckload of nuance. So if I'm not out there yelling at the top of my lungs about a social issue, it's probably because I think that landscape is significantly more clustered and complex than you think it is. And maybe you're right and maybe I'm wrong, but maybe we could have a little respect for each other. Whereas, oh, I can't believe Dr. Mike's not speaking out about this. Maybe your next thought could be like, maybe he has some good reasons he's not speaking out about this. Maybe the issue is a little complicated. Maybe it, it drives away from his core message, which is much more helpful to people on average. And maybe it's up to folks like us organically to give out the, to get out the message. And maybe it's up to look to our social leaders. Because you know, there's literally people with YouTube followings for social and political issues. And motherfuckers, they talk about it. How come they're not talking about the obesity epidemic? It's not in their wheelhouse, right? Like, should they be? No, they shouldn't be. Like, there's no should or could. There's just, you know, there's specialization and everything, politics included. So I think when people say things like, oh, like, I can't believe he's not speaking out on this issue, you just want, it's like the get out the vote campaign. The get out the vote campaign is a crock of shit because it's literally just go vote for my party. Very few people, if any, are just want general voting to go up. So for example, like if you know, get out the vote campaign run by conservatives ends up attracting more progressive voters, they'd be like, shit, fucking shut this thing down. And if vice versa, they would also be like, you know, could you imagine like the MTV rock the vote, which clearly progressively tilted? Could you imagine they like get their their statistics and they're like, oh, it looks like we increased conservative voting in the Christian Southern states by 50%. They'd be like, fuck like let's cut it out then right like so you know you don't you don't have to vote out like and if you really want the vote out i can even go toe-to-toe -to -toe on that the fact that a lot of people who are less than informed voting is probably worse than them staying home <laughs> so it's one of those things where like get out political information and making people more educated in politics and economics great i'm pro-education but everything else is a little bit nuanced and maybe not everything should be political um and, and there's actually there is actually a term 
for everything political. It is called totalitarianism. Your actions, your thoughts, every single breath you take is a political act. That is literally the definition of totalitarianism. And I'm not interested in living in one of those places because I used to back in communist Russia. It didn't work out so well. You fled that as a, as a kid. So yeah, I, I packed up my own bags. I was on the Titanic. It was a crazy experience. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll finish with one little point on that topic. There are very, very few people that I find are able to have nuanced conversations, especially on social media, when it comes to ideological things or the, these events. I find you, Alex Viata, is very good, and oftentimes Greg. He's Nuff great. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Absolutely, Alex is amazing. We, he was actually the last guest that we had on uh, the one, episode 150 of the Old Stream, and he's always great to have on. So he, he's an intelligent guy and can hold very nuanced. That's an understatement. What's that? That's an understatement. His intelligence is an understatement. He's wildly intelligent. And, and big and strong and, and just an extreme human on the physical side of things too. And, and, you know, and that's the same thing for you. You know, if you're a you know, competitive bodybuilder and jujitsu practitioner and all this other sort of shit on top of it, intellectual. So, you know, maybe there's something going on there. I don't know. Maybe it's a jujitsu. Um, any other Greg Knuckles, Greg, I'm a huge fan of Greg Knuckles and him and I, uh, don't always see eye to eye politically, but, but Greg is, uh, very measured politically. So he'll say things he supports. And then when I push back on them, sometimes he'll be, he'll be like, okay, yeah, um, and we'll, we'll go back and forth. And he thinks, uh, he's right. I think I'm right. But at the end of the day, we're like, all right. And he's never like, Greg's never like, you're a piece of shit for having these views. Like, he probably knows I'm not, and I know he's not, or maybe we suspect the other is a piece of shit, but we're not quite outright confident enough to say it. Greg is an example of someone who I don't agree with politically, but he's so smart and so well thought out that he knows that making bombastic totalistic claims is just not a good idea. You know, so when he makes claims, they're always very measured and they're always thought through. And when he is pushed to his limits of how much he's thought about something, he goes, you know what, I, this part I don't know about. And that's the characteristic of someone who's really just gonna end up with the truth eventually anyway, no matter what it is. So maybe I'm gonna end up more left-leaning eventually or Greg become more of an, uh, you know, a, a Western libertarian eventually, who knows? But it's one of those things where, yeah, I disagree with him politically a lot of the time, but it doesn't bother me because he's like, you know, if, 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 if only the entire left was like Greg Knuckles, holy shit, you know, and if only the entire right was, you know, like, like, like somebody, I can't even think of anyone on the right who makes any goddamn sense, Ugh, put myself on the spot like that, right? Um, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where if you're a reasoned person, if you're a calm thinker, and if you're trying to do your best to figure out the world, I think political conversations with you are fucking sweet. We don't have to agree. But if you're into emotionalism, and probably my least favorite uh, thing is to paint the other side as the devil and yourself as an angel. Like, what are you doing? Just say you're a good person. Give yourself a medal for being a human being. Everyone else is trash or whatever the, the term is for that. And, and then just pat yourself on the back all the way to the bank. You don't have to talk to anyone again. You don't have to engage anyone's views. It's correct. You're correct. Half the country like you is wonderful. And the other half is just some strain of evil. And it's just no nuance, there's no reason to try to understand them. And then, you know, you're, and then you're exactly like a stupid uh, xenophobic American who hates the entire Muslim world, for example. You're exactly like that and you're not interested in any nuance, but you seem to think you're correct. And it's just, it's not something for adults to, to practice, to be completely honest. Yeah, uh, I wanted to make a point of saying about Greg too, uh, like Alex, who creates a lot of great fitness information, Greg is an incredible resource you know, for training knowledge as well. And if somebody is overwhelmingly well thought out and providing great value, then every once in a while, if they wander into that, 
you know, you can actually listen to it as opposed to an entire brand that's about bombastic, you know, extremist political views. Greg uh, recently did some really good work. Um, he's part of a, a group of people that kind of exposed this Brazilian research, researcher, the guy behind the, the squats being better than hip thrusts research. Sure. Uh, Greg was very, very hesitant to, you know, use the term, you know, academic fraud, but it seems fairly apparent that it was fraudulent. And the whole, some of his studies have been, uh, what is it, Barahilo or something? I can't remember exactly. Barahilo, yeah. And it looks as though his work, uh, the data is really screwy. The amount of work he was producing, the time frame was was weird. It just seemed really suspect. So I think some of his papers have been fully retracted now from their uh, publications, and others are you know being called seriously into question. A wonderful service Greg and his colleagues and Andrew Vygotsky and a couple other folks did um, because if people don't look at statistically aberrant things like that and question them we could have poisonous berries in our fruit of science that divert the conversation of best practices to something that's not a best practice I mean can you imagine abandoning hip thrusts altogether because you're like the Borbalo study or like the, the he had a study on like training frequency and volume and and it led to some really interesting conclusions that I would never draw. And now that study is highly suspect. You're like, well, duh, that study didn't make any goddamn sense in the context of the rest of the literature. And sometimes studies that don't make sense really are true. Sometimes they're just statistically aberrant. That's okay, there's random chance. And sometimes they are pointing to a trend that is gonna be exposed by other studies as well. And it's very rare that people do outright fabrication of science, but it is as rare as it is really bad. So when it does happen, it's great when it's spotted and, and figured out and fixed. And uh, it's awesome that those guys did that work. Yeah, what's the major one? It's uh, shit. Uh, the Cornell Labs, Brian Wansick's uh, work. That yeah, one. just the endless bottomless bowl yeah. stuff. Well, That's the, real unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, because it seems really intuitive, and you know, I don't know much about this, but I have this sense that you know his early work was probably really, really good, and they just doubled out on some of these ideas. And, as, as intuitive and as po as positive as I think a lot of the stuff that came out of that world, it invalidated his good work because I think he just got him over As well it. as it should. I mean, and to be completely honest, like why the fuck would you, would we believe him now on any of the things he said? I, I, I this, uh, that phenomenon that you're describing is why I really don't like to answer the question of what do you think of so-and-so's work? Or have you seen that new study that came out of so-and-so's lab? I don't care about a single study out of a lab. I don't care about a single person's work. I care about the entire volume of the literature, the way the science is done best, is multiple labs around multiple parts of the world coming to the same conclusions. And that's how you know you're onto the truth. Um, it's it's It sucks to me when you have like, and the thing is like, the way news media works and podcasts is like the scientists that are making wacky shit uh, unusual shit they're the ones getting interviewed by podcasts and stuff like that they're the ones saying weird shit and it's like what do you think about so-and-so like oh they got this cool lab and they're doing all this finding all this crazy stuff my first question is like are other labs finding the crazy stuff and they're like no i'm like well okay that's a real big red flag maybe nobody's doing the research and if they're not we never know if it's lab bias or truth so we just have to be really reserved and then when 10 other labs do it and then maybe nine of them come to the same conclusions wow now that I, then i think that former person and former lab are revolutionaries and in, in setting a precedent in their field and if none of the stuff is confirmed, then maybe they're just uh, randomly something happened or they were fabricating data, highly unlikely again, that it's really bad. And, and this like, you know, one study at a time type of bullshit is just anti-science as far as thinking. It's anti-philosophy of science. And most people think studies are some kind of like gold, golden geese you trot out. One study is good enough. 
Uh, even 10 studies isn't good enough when they're not a comprehensive view of all the studies that have ever been done. And it's terrible when it happens this way and people are like, oh man, I'm like, did you see that new paper by what's his name? Why the fuck are you telling me his name? And no, I don't see any new papers by anyone because I, I mean, I do because I read the shit, but I read it with a gigantic grain of salt because I need multiple papers to conform a reality, confirm the reality for me not remotely one paper or one scientist. People love that, like, first researcher saying crazy new stuff, and they love him, and he's done a TED Talk. Fuck that guy. He could be he could be telling us unbelievable truth or super insightful or wildly exaggerated bullshit. There was, like, the, uh, remember the 10,000-hour rule, that whole thing? Like, that went around, and people were like, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. yeah, sure. And it was like, oh, my God, it's the rule. It's not a fucking rule. It turns out a bunch of stuff violates the 10,000 hour thing in terms of there's tons of caveats and it turns out that people that are talented, for example, people that are talented in chess get to a certain a high level ranking within 2,000 hours and the people who are not talented in chess never get to that ranking or get to it in 20,000 hours. So, so in the reality it was 10,000 hours was just like some random number that seemed to cluster around uh, an average figure for average activities and the, the really the non-sexy way to phrase that insight was if you practice some shit a lot, you're going to get good at it the fuck out of here wow wow but people were saying like what's that deliberate practice really matters a lot if you're just fucking around on a guitar for ten thousand hours nothing right 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 constantly challenge your abilities to be on that threshold of not too hard that you just give up and you get pissed off but not too easy that it's not challenging or engaging it's always pushing that threshold of it's like it's fucking resistance training it's progressive overload literally progressive overload for your career your skills your same fucking same idea and it's terrible because i remember seeing feedback on a variety of things i had said about like genetics and specific ways of doing things to get better and i had multiple people reply like yeah it, i though isn't just the ten thousand hour rule like that's how you become an expert at ten thousand hours and i was like fuck what i haven't even ever heard of that book before so i googled it and i was like good fucking god because they literally thought like all that insight and nuance could be replaced by the they literally were just like it's just ten thousand hours and just like yeah why aren't you lebron james yet let me know I know you have a hard stop real soon, so I wanted to make sure that uh, I let people know where to find you, and then uh, we can like chat two seconds off here. Awesome. YouTube is the new place to find me now. RP Doctor Mike on Instagram, at RP Strength on Instagram, good places to start. But Renaissance Periodization on YouTube, uh, we are putting out videos, three to four videos, oh, well, five to six videos a week total, three to four videos of brand new sit down lecture content about all things hypertrophy and strength and fat loss and dieting and all that good stuff so holler at me on youtube like subscribe send me dick pics the whole thing i'm also going to throw out the uh the rp books uh especially the, the recovery book i love that that thing is fantastic there's nothing else out in the internet like it the, the the rp diet stuff is great there's lots of diet stuff out there it is no tough work but with the recovery stuff, there just isn't anything else like it. Sure. Yeah. The one I point people to first. So go check that out. And and if you're not digging into a lot of Mike stuff and RP stuff, guys, seriously, go for it. And in the meantime, with the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I would love some likes, some subscribes, some shares on social media, and maybe a five-star review or two. I really want to blow this thing up. So, you know, any support's great. And if you're not following me on social media, at Andrew Coates Fitness on Instagram, that's the best place to find me. Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate it. And uh, Thank you so much. I'll leave any parting thoughts, my friend? Nope, I got nothing.
Awesome. All right. Thanks for uh, tuning in, guys.